this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. I tell you, it feels like I haven't been up here in a month. Uh, last night I was sitting there and I was like, man, it's been a long time since I've actually got in front of people and spoke. Uh, but it, boy, it's a privilege to be back. I do want to thank Gary and Matt for filling in the last couple weeks. I had a chance to hear their sermons and uh, I think they upgraded the place by speaking the last couple weeks. And uh, we do thank the Lord for them and their ministries. I also want to, I'm so glad that Mission Serve uh, got back safely. Uh, I tell you, it's a wonderful to be a part of a church that is so mission-minded, uh, that reaches beyond itself. And uh, what a joy it is to serve uh, with those uh, who, who see that also. Galatians chapter 5. Today we're continuing the series in which we entitled Ripe. And the reason we chose the title for that, of course, is we're talking about spiritual fruit. And some of the definitions of ripe are why I chose that sermon title or that series title. Uh, the definitions for ripe, fully grown and developed. A secondary uh, definition, advanced to the point of being in the best condition for use. And then thirdly, maturity in knowledge and judgment. And y'all, that is what Christ is attempting to do as we make our way through life, as we draw close to him, as we, re as we uh, receive instruction from his word. He wants his words to ripen in our lives. So in Galatians chapter 5, again, we'll read again, verse 22, this is what he wants to see ripened in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The nine big major fruits that he wants to be exemplified and demonstrated through our lives. And today we're looking at gentleness. And it's really the whole idea of meekness. And so look at the introduction on your outline. It appears in the scripture the meaning of gentleness can also be translated as meekness. Meekness is not only a gentle, soothing disposition but also power that is under control. Now, many of you have heard this as it relates to meekness, but really the Greek language is, is really many times a language that paints pictures in front of us. And, and, and the word that's used here when it comes to the whole idea of meekness is literally the whole idea of a wild animal being tamed for use. That's really what meekness displays. It's just like a horse, a horse, many of you probably would not describe a horse uh, that has not been broken as being meek. But that horse has the capability of being broken to the point that it can be meek and be beneficial for use. And that's really what the whole concept of meekness is. So look on your outline once again. Meekness is, it is demonstrated not as pride and arrogance, but humility and submission. Just like you see that wild horse and, 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 and it's out there and it's, it's, it's doing its own thing. It's, it's free in all these different ways. But then the humility and the submission comes to, to note as it's broken. You see, meekness, while difficult to, defy, to fi, define, excuse me, conveys three biblical ideas. You'll see them right there on your outline. To be submissive to the will of God, the whole idea of a yielded heart, to have a teachable spirit, this is a person that doesn't feel like they have all the answers. How many of you ever met someone like that? It's almost like they never receive anything from anyone. They always want to, to give and, and many times, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that when it comes, but sometimes we can be inflated of ourselves to the point that we're not teachable. I remember when I was a younger pastor, 
some people really, uh, they thanked me because I, uh, and here's what they said. They said, you just seem to have a teachable spirit. I said, I have to. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but it was one of them things where I was learning and trying to discern what God was desiring for me as a young man trying to find my way in the ministry and lead a church and how intimidating that was. And I was at the, I mean, just literally put myself before the Lord. But you know what happens to us many times? We get to be a little more mature in it, start finding out different things, maybe taking some, some shortcuts when it comes to certain things as it relates to what we've been called to do. And all of a sudden, sometimes we're not the, ones who, we're not the one who's open to receive. We're out there, and, and, and our lives should give back, but many times we're out there, and we're, we're in a whole different realm of life, and, and, and we don't have a teachable spirit anymore because we feel like we've mastered it. We feel like we've learned all we can learn. One of the great things about being off the last couple of weeks is I had the privilege to go to church with my mother there in Wilmington uh, two weeks ago. And then I went to church with my daughter this past week at her church. And uh, it's just nice to be fed. It reminded me how I need to continue to have that teachable spirit. But not just me as a pastor. Every one of us need to have a teachable spirit. Matter of fact, if you showed up here today and you don't have a teachable spirit, you'll leave here with absolutely nothing. Because you have to come fully submitting yourself to the Spirit of God. Fully submitting yourself to the Word of God. That God can instruct you. And that's that whole idea of a teachable spirit. And it's that whole idea in which meekness comes about. Uh, thirdly, to be considerate of others. That's what meekness is. It's the idea of being gentle in your dealings with other people. And so many times we miss that. Now, this is not on your outline, but there's three examples of meekness in Scripture that I think are the epitome of the example of that word. Moses, listen to what the Bible says about Moses. Now, Moses, Moses was a very meek man, more meek than anyone else on the face of the earth. That was Moses, a very meek man. I mean, think about what God called him to do. And, when you, and here's what I'd like to think, that, that when God called Moses, he, he looked around, he, he saw the best fit. He saw the one that he could use to deliver his people. And, and it wasn't someone who had pride and arrogance in their heart. It was someone who was humble, someone who was meek. You see, that's what gets the attention of God. And he reached out and chose Moses. How about Joseph of the Old Testament? We've talked about him a lot as we've looked at all the spiritual fruit, and we seem to see a lot of it uh, in his story. And, but, but Joseph was not one coming out of the gate that was full of meekness. If you study the scriptures, you're going to find out it was something that God literally developed in his life. And then, of course, there was Joseph, uh, Jesus himself. Jesus, think about what's being done there. He's, he's coming into Jerusalem for that last time. And, and, and the scripture says this, see your king comes to you, meek and riding on a donkey. You see, that was the picture of Christ in his first coming. His second coming, however, will be a little bit different. But, but his first coming the whole thing that you see there in his first coming was the whole idea of meekness. You see, the spirit of meekness is the spirit of Christ who defended the glory of his father yet gave himself in sacrifice for others. Jesus, the only human being who did no wrong, the one who always had a perfect defense, yet he never defended himself. It's amazing when you think about it. It's amazing when we think about us. 
When we think about the way we conduct our lives in such a way that we feel like we have all these rights and in a way that how dare someone do that to me and we, we, we carry that attitude. Y'all, that is far from being meek. That is far from being what Christ has called us to. You see, just as great faith, meekness gets the attention of God. God desires to develop meekness in each of us. So look on your outline. The origin of meekness. Where does it come from? You see, meekness is not native to the human heart. Did you know that? It's not native to the human heart. It must be developed. It must be placed there. And here's another idea. Meekness is the attitude bridge that transforms the unbeliever to a believer. Matter of fact, let me just say this, and you're going, we're going to discuss this a little bit later. Did you know that, that it's impossible for repentance to take place in the human heart apart from the attitude of meekness? It's impossible. And so we'll see that in just a moment. But meekness is a willingness to accept God's truth and to accept God's authority. And so when we say, okay, God, I want you to be everything to me. I want you to be what you desire me to be and all that. Your attitude at that point must be an attitude of meekness, a teachable spirit, one who desires to be submissive to the authority and the truth of God. You see, when we allow the Holy Spirit to develop meekness in us, we are welcoming discipline and authority. That's what we're welcoming into our lives. So look on your outline. The origin of meekness. The flesh does not produce it. If you operate in the flesh, let me just say this, there, there, is, no, there is no awareness of meekness in your life. In Galatians chapter 5, I want you to look at it again. Verses 19, 20, and 21. We've seen this many times, but you need to understand the fruit of the Spirit, there's an opposition to it. And it's something that's done in the flesh. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They're clearly seen is what it's saying, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When it says practice, practice there, it's that whole idea of it being habitual in your life. It's that whole idea that these things define who you are. He says there's no place for that in the kingdom of God. Every bit of this, none of these things would happen if there was an attitude of meekness in a person's life. And so there's a, there's a distinction between the acts of the flesh. And then look on your outline. It's not the, the flesh does not produce meekness. The spirit does produce it. And so when you look at what God is doing in your life and you say, okay, God, I want you to do a great work in my life and, and God, I'm going to be submissive to your will. I'm going to be submissive to your truth. I'm going to be submissive to your authority. And God, I want you to shape my life in such a way that you bring discipline to my life in such a way that I can become more like your son. Here's what we're reading here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is these nine things. That will be what's displayed in your life. That's what it will look like. And so the Spirit, does produce it. You see, we can conclude, and this is very interesting from these two sections here, we can conclude that if our attitude towards God is not meekness, then it's defiance. Look at verses 19, 20, and 21 there. Every bit of that is described as defiant living. Defiance. 
And so really, if you say, okay, what are the two ways in which we can conduct our lives? What are the two ways in which we can, we can allow God to work into us? It won't be by way of defiance. That's not his way. His way, his attitude will do, in which he's called us to, is that of meekness. And so next, we see the operation of meekness. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to have you look at several places this morning. So turn there. Now, as you're turning there, listen to this. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, here's what he said. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who had the attitude of the meek. Not blessed are those who had the attitude of defiance. It's the meek. Author and theologian A.W. Tozer once wrote this. It's here on the screen. The, the, man, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferi- inferiority. Rather, he may be in his, moral, in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate in his own life. He knows that he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But at the same time, he also knows that he is in the sight of God of more importance than the angels. In himself is nothing. However, in God, he's everything. That is the meek man's motto. He realizes, he's taken a careful estimation of himself. He doesn't see himself in light of his flesh. He doesn't see himself in light of who he desires. He sees himself in light of who God sees him. It's so important that we understand that. And that's what Tozer was talking about here. So, So what does an attitude of meekness bring into our lives? There's three things I'm going to show you this morning that that if you allow meekness to be the attitude, be the the way you conduct your life, and that's the attitude that you have, it's going to bring three things. And the first thing it's going to bring is joy. It's going to bring joy to your life. Isaiah 29 tells us this. The meek shall increase their joy. How? In the world? No, in the Lord. It'll be seen in the Lord. Those who are meek have a greater opportunity to experience the joy of God in their life. That's where it comes from. But secondly, meekness, it brings guidance. It's a whole idea of a teachable spirit. If we lay ourselves submissive before God, he will guide us. The Bible tells us this in Psalms chapter 25. It says, the meek God will guide in judgment and the meek he will teach his ways. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked God for direction in something? Have you ever said, God, I I need your wisdom in this matter? I need your discernment in this matter? Listen, he won't give that to a defiant heart. First of all, I personally believe you're not capable of hearing it if you have a defiant heart. Because that's an act of rebellion against God. But it is in the meekness and the humility and the vulnerability of that you're placing yourself before God. That he can pour things into your life. And, and I believe based on Proverbs, as you read through Proverbs, one of the greatest things God wants to pour into your life is not only his love and grace, but his wisdom. That you may be discerning. So it brings guidance. Thirdly, it brings Provision. The Bible says in Psalms 22, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. Y'all, this is a picture of contentment. Did did you know a part that you cannot have peace unless you have contentment in your life? You really can't. Because if you don't have contentment in your life, then then you'll you'll never have that peace. 
And let's face it, everybody's desiring peace. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, what, what do you desire at that moment? Some of oh, I won't sleep. Yeah, I do, I do too. But you know what? It's peace. That's really what we're looking for. Peace. It carries the idea of contentment. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 3. There's something here that I found interesting as I was looking. And in chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 4. And it says, so find favor and high esteem. That word, uh, that phrase high esteem means proper understanding. And so find favor and proper understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, let me just tell you what I believe 4 is describing. Verse 4 is describing the attitude of meekness. To, 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 to understand, to, to find favor. is The only way it's going to come about is through meekness. And then I believe it, it reveals the rest, most of the chapters revealing what will come of it. Verse 5, we see some of the results of, of meekness. We see the guidance. Look here in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That means be teachable. Don't be unteachable. Be teachable. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what's he going to do? He's going to direct your paths. He's going to bring guidance to your life. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Again, have a teachable spirit. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 9, it talks more of the provisions of, of what's going to happen. If these things are in place, he says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a, that's a picture of provision. We come to verse 11, we're back to this whole idea of guidance, what this meekness will do. My son, do not despise a chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. That means when God brings a, a chastening to your life, don't, don't come running to it with defiance. Come with the meekness of heart. For, he, for whom the Lord loves, guess what he's going to do? He's going to correct. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Verse 13 tells us, I believe that joy is a part of this. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And then we come back to provision. Verse 14, for her, for her proceeds, this is speaking of wisdom, are better than the profits of silver and her gain more than the fine gold. She is more precious, wisdom is, than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. The length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. And then he comes back to joy. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a true, she, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all those who retain her. You see, we're talking about God's provision here. We're talking about God's joy. We're talking about uh, the, the guidance he wants to bring into our lives. Listen, if we don't have a teachable spirit, if we're not humbly walking with him, if we're not walking in meekness, we're going to totally miss out on all this. He's telling us it's key to the life he's called us to. Next, we see the obligation of meekness. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. You see, the Bible commands that we are to be meek. It's not one of those things where, yeah, here's an option here. Here's an option. Here's, a, here's an option of an attitude that I could have. No, it's a, it's a demand. It's a demand that we find right here in Scripture. Now, there's two things we need to look at when it comes to this obligation. We need to have an obligation of meekness toward God. Toward God. 
And it's really the whole idea of submissiveness while trusting in him. Now, the only way that, that we, can, we can have that relationship with God, listen, scripturally tells us the only way it can happen is through repentance. Okay? That's the only way. If we're going to start a relationship with God, it's got to be by way of repentance. For those who've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they desire a relationship with him. Guess where it begins? Repentance. For those who are of Christ, for those who have come to know him as our Lord and Savior and they're walking in sin, they're walking apart from the truth of God and the accountability and the authority of God and they want to make their way back, guess how they make their way back? Through repentance. And what's interesting about that, none of that happens unless there's the attitude of meekness taking place in a person's life. Not of defiance, but of meekness. So look at James chapter four, look at verse seven. He says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. The only way you can do that is through meekness. It's through being meek. He goes on, he says, and he'll draw near to you. He'll uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be torn turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's basically saying, he's describing here repentance. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is the whole idea that I've got to turn from this and turn to this other thing. It's turning from our sin and turning to him. And he's basically saying, for a moment I found joy, for a moment I found cheer for living over here in sin, but now I realize where my flaw is and I'm turning back to him. It can only be done through the whole idea of meekness. Only way it happens. He goes on, he says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and then he'll lift you up. You know what he'll lift you up to? <laughs> he'll lift you up to his joy, his provision, and his guidance. That's what he lifts you up to. And every one of us, I think, who've come here today are probably seeking that. At least I hope so. So the conclusion to this passage is that repentance is the, is the divine raising up that comes from God and not ourselves when we become meek before him. Next, the obligation of meekness towards others. It's the whole idea of gentleness while dealing with others. Let me ask you a question. Are, are you defined? Like when people think of you, do they think of gentleness? Do they think of meekness? For some of us, if we be completely honest, that's, that's, that's probably not how people see us. Because, I mean, we, we're, and it's not that we're solely told, told out to defiance. It's just we don't respond properly to people. And the Bible is very clear on how we need to respond. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 here on the screen. It's, uh, Paul says this, I beseech you. The word beseech you, you know what it literally means? I beg you. <laughs> I come before you. I want you to get this, okay? And what's interesting about the position of, of, of chapter four, verse one, is, is he's going and he's talking about who we are in Christ. And then he comes over here in chapter four and he tells us practically how we can live it out, okay? And, and he says, to start this verse off, it's not there on the screen. He says, therefore, that means in light of all these things that God's done on your behalf, let your life look like this. And then he gives us chapters four, five, and six. And, and, and here's how he starts it. I beseech you, I beg you, brother, make sure you get this, brothers, to, to walk worthy of the calling. Now, when, anytime you see something in Scripture when it refers to walk, it's talking about daily conduct. It's talking about how people see your life. 
And so in your daily conduct, walk worthy of the calling. What is the calling? The calling that has been placed upon your life is to live as a Christian, to live as someone who's been brought into the kingdom, okay? That means you're, 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 you're in the kingdom. You're living by the principles of the kingdom, okay? That's walking worthy of the calling. And then he tells us this, be completely humble and gentle, the word completely there, some of your translation says with all gentleness or all gentleness and all that. It's really the whole idea of every facet of your life that you be defined by your gentleness and your humility. And by the way, the humble and the gentle, it really equals meekness. He says, be patient, bearing with one another. Now think about that. Have you ever met someone who thought when it came to all the relationships, they were the one having to bear with everyone else and no one had really had to bear with them. You ever met anybody like that? It's amazing how we think that many times we have it all together in such a way that, yeah, we're just putting up with everybody else's nonsense. Has anybody had to put up with your nonsense? And it's that whole idea of seeing you, having a correct estimation of who you are. Now, Someone has said that meekness is the strength of backing off from a fight that you could win or a point that you could make for the sake of the damage that could be done and the greater issue at stake. That is really good. Listen to it again. Meekness is the strength of backing off from a fight that you could win and a point that you could make for the sake of the damage that could be done and the greater issue at stake. How many of you have ever, and married couples could associate with this, how many of you realize that some fights just aren't worth it? Have you ever come to that conclusion? Oh, it ain't worth going there. <laughs> that doesn't mean we step away and not present truth at times. There's times where sometimes we're called to do a tough thing. But sometimes, I'll, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of times, I'm, a lot of things we're dealing with is, are, is nonsense. A lot of th things that we deal with is just a call to rights. And they, I have a right to this. And I have a right. And that's really where a lot of it stems from. But he's talking about the meekness here. We need to be gentle in how we deal with others. But, but here's what happens. Some of you are sitting here thinking, I thought this myself at times. Well, if I, if I, if I approach uh, the people around me with meekness, if I lose this battle, I'll be seen as weak. And others will take advantage of me. Have you ever, you ever been around, you ever conducted yourself in that way? And you have the stiff outside or, uh, of who you are and it's like the hard hardness begins to settle in. So, so what does it, should it look like? Where does meekness need to show up? Look on your outline. Meekness and restoration. Meekness and restoration. Galatians 6.1, look here on the screen. Brethren. Now when he says brethren, who is he referring to? Other Christians. Okay, he's not talking about the outside world. He's talking about those, here's who he's talking about. Those in which they should have lives that, that are, are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? But then he's talking about this whole other idea of, of that same person needing to be restored. He said, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, it could say in any sin, you who are spiritual... You who are at that moment uh, are following God, doing the right thing. Restore one in a spirit of gentleness, which is meekness, 
considering yourself lest you also be tempted. You know what that verse says? If you find someone who's out there who's not living the way they need to live, he's not saying you don't ever confront it. You confront it, but when you confront it, you confront it how? With meekness. And really, when you look at the whole context of the verse, he's saying this. You need to do that because there may come a day in which you fall into sin, and someone else may need to restore you. And how would you want them to restore you? Not from self-righteousness, not that attitude, but an attitude of what? Of meekness. Coming alongside them. Helping them. Walking in humility. Not speaking down, but coming down to help rescue them. That's the picture that we see here. Next, we need meekness and forgiveness. Matter of fact, let me just be so bold to say, if there's no meekness in you, you're probably not going to be a very forgiving person. Because really, the whole idea of meekness is having a, a clear understanding of who you are and, and who you are in Christ. And, and, and so therefore, Paul also says in Colossians, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, he said, if you call yourself a Christian, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility. Look what's next. Meekness, some of your translations may say gentleness. Long-suffering, here it is again, bearing with one another, and he carries it a step further, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do also. I mean, keep, he's basically saying, keep the big picture in mind. When people offend you, realize how you need to reconnect with that person. Realize you need to forgive them. And don't go around thinking you're all that, because guess what? You had to be forgiven too. And he's showing you that, that picture of this. Someone has said that a meek person will feel the wrong done against them and feel it bitterly. But because they are not thinking of themselves, the meek does not allow the spirit to give in to a hateful, savage, and vindictive anger that seeks to get even. It, the meek will instead be full of pity for the damaged character and attitude of the perpetrator. Boy, that, that's taking a whole different way, isn't it? So here's what happens with many of us. Someone offends us. I mean, what's the, what's the, if the flesh came to the door once we were offended, what would happen? It, it would act out in the flesh. That's, what we, that's how we would get even. But if we send the spirit of our heart to the door, what are you going to see? You're going to see meekness. You're going to see that. That's going to be portrayed there. It's going to be seen there. And so when meekness answers the door, here's what it's doing. It's looking at the person on the other side of the door and basically having pity on the person by saying, what kind of damaged character would conduct themselves in this way? And really the whole idea is, boy, they need Jesus. You don't open the door, however, and say, you just need Jesus. <laughs> Could that, is that true? but you got to do it with humility. Because listen, the goal, the meek, the goal when it comes to restoration and forgiveness is not to uh, uh, apprehend, not to come over someone, but to come alongside them and bring them where they need to be. And the meek always keeps a glimpse of what that looks like. Matter of fact, Jesus uttered these words. Father, forgive them. What? For they know not what they do. You know what he was doing? He was looking at them and having pity on them. And that's what we need to do. That's the meek. That's how it looks. That's the way it conducts itself. Next, we need to have meekness in ministry. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's telling Timothy, but you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Again, that's a picture of meekness. Let your leadership be defined by these things. Next, we need meekness in teaching, in humility, in meekness, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Let me just say this. Did you know that we as Christians, if we see someone who's living in defiance and we attempt to come and help them and we do it in, in, in a way that's not the way God prescribes us to do it, did you know we can make their situation even more difficult? Yeah. That's the reason we need to be, have wisdom. That's the reason we need to be discerning. That's the reason we need to realize we don't have all the answers. We need to realize that we need to, to be teachable as the Spirit leads us into this situation. And the only way that happens is the attitude of meekness. Next, we need meekness in speaking. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility, which is meekness to all men, to everyone. Does that exclude our enemies? No. Does that exclude those who treat us wrong? No. We, we're still to extend to all. And who's the example there? Again, it's Jesus. Next, meekness in receiving instruction. James chapter 1 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The implanted word is God's truth. It, when it says implanted, it's saying let these things take root in your life in such a way that, that you can turn from these things. But again, how do you receive it? With meekness. Listen, the person that thinks they have all the answers, they're not meek. They're not going to receive truth. They're not going to receive instruction. And so we need to not only see them as, as meek, we need to help them come to a meek understanding of who they are, but we need to demonstrate it as, we, as we're giving the instruction. Next, meekness and behavior. James 3 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness. There it is again. How many of you are surprised at how often this word shows up in Scripture? I think it's one of the most underrated uh, ideas found in Scripture is the fact that we are to be meek. Next, we need to, be, we need to have meekness in marriage. How, how many of you would uh, like to be married to someone who's meek? How many of you like to have children that are meek? Don't find many 13 to 16-year-olds that are meek, do you? Many times they think they have it all together. They think they know it all. Can't tell them anything. That's the opposite of meek. But we need it in our marriage. We need it in our relationships. Turn, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is the last place I'll have you turn. I want you to see several things here. And it's very interesting that the author of 1 Peter is who? Peter. <laughs> now, now, when you look at Peter's life in the Gospels, do you see meekness showing up every time? No. <laughs> Far from it. He, he, matter of fact, I mean, he, he missed it so much most of the time because his, he, he got in the way. And, and meekness does not let themselves get in the way. And, and what happens here is he, and so he's instructing people. It's obvious he's probably got it together now. 
But in 1 Peter chapter 3, he gives a note to the wives. Look at verse 3. He says, do not let, he's speaking to wives, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. He's talking about vanity. He's talking about uh, the person defining themselves and how they look and how people perceive them based on the outward appearance. But then he goes a step further. He says in verse four, rather let it be the hidden or the inner person of the heart with the, uh, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. Gentle and quiet spirit is what meekness is. And it's saying, wives, let that be who you are. Let that be what you're defined by. Not, not merely your outward appearance. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There's, in and of itself, okay? Let's, let's beautify. In. Anyway, anyway, there's nothing wrong with that part over there. But he says, don't let it just be there. Let you be, let, be more defined by who you are and the inner person. And he identifies what that needs to look like. Meekness. So he gives a note to the wives, but he also gives a note to the husbands. Look at verse seven. Husbands, likewise, it refers back to what he's already told the wife. You do the same thing, but you also need to dwell with them with understanding. Get to understand them. Get them to understand in such a way that you can give honor to the, to the wife. And y'all, the only way you get there as a man is to be meek. And, and the only and here's another way to look at meekness. Listen to this. It's not only humility. It's not only gentleness. It's also vulnerability. Making yourself vulnerable. You see, there's a lot of men out there, and I've been through it in my own life. We don't want to be vulnerable before people because we think that that goes against our manhood, our masculinity. Yeah, we're called to do that. When he says to dwell with your wife with understanding, and here's why you wouldn't want to do that, just you can give honor to them. It's a whole idea of vulnerability. That's the speech of vulnerability. It's the speech of meekness, and that's what part of meekness is vulnerability. He says, he says giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and not, not that she's weak, not doesn't mean she's a substandard person when it comes to who God, how God created us. It's just talking about the whole idea of who she is. This is how I created it. This is who she is. This is to, and then he says, as being heirs together in the, grace of life, uh, in the grace of life. And then he says, men, that your prayers may not be ha- uh, hindered. Guys, there's a lot. What he says there, there's a lot at stake if you don't get this right. Now, here's something else. Look at, verse Peter, look at verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, all of you, everyone he's already addressed, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted and, and, and uh, uh, be courteous, uh, that's a whole idea of meekness again. Not returning evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling. That means arguments upon arguments. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Again, he's saying there's a lot at stake when you don't walk in a meek way, <laughs> when there's not meekness in your life. And then, look on your outline, meekness and, weak, and witness. How many of you realize we've been called to be a witness before other people. The Bible says salt and light. The Bible says that we need to be ready to give a defense. As a matter of fact, he says it right here. First Peter chapter three, look at verse 15. Here's the whole idea of meekness again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. 
Always be ready to give a defense to everyone. That's the whole idea of being a witness who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. How do you do this? With meekness and fear. With meekness and fear. You don't come up to someone and say, hey, I've got all the answers. Just ask me. Now you come and you get alongside of that person. You come along beside them and you're gentle with them. You give them truth. You speak truth in their life. If they ask questions, you know how to answer them effectively because you're a student of God's word. You're in the word. But not only that, it also means that you can be vulnerable before them in sharing your story. Some of the, most com- some, some of the comments that I receive as, a, as someone who tries to stand up here each week to be faithful to God's word, some of the comments, some of you email me and say, and here's what you'll say. Thank you so much for being so transparent last Sunday. Because it really helped me to see where I am and where I need to be. You you know what they're really thanking me for? That I was vulnerable in in communicating the gospel. And y'all, we need to be vulnerable at times. How many of you have ever seen a dog? You ever seen a dog? How do they demonstrate meekness? They come running up to you. They're happy to see you. And then all of a sudden, if they're real excited, they might pee on you. No, anyway. But anyway, (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. No, I'm not actually. That, That does happen. But you know what they'll do many times? And this is all in meekness. They'll turn over on their back. Well, you know what they'll do? They turn over on their back. They, they want, you know what? It's a vulnerability. It's a demonstration of vulnerability. And I'm saying we don't have to do that as a dog, okay? But many times, I mean, how do we demonstrate meekness? That's how a dog would. But how do we demonstrate that before others? So we see it needs to be in our witness. The outcome of meekness, I've got to hurry. Number one, the meek, they will receive salvation. The Bible says in Psalms 149, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he will crown the meek with salvation. The meek are capable of receiving salvation. That's what that verse says. They're capable of receiving it. Meekness is the attitude in which we receive our salvation. Secondly, the meek, they will find rest. They'll find rest. Matthew 11, Jesus said this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know what he's saying there? Follow my example. And then here's what he says. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. If you follow my example of meekness, you'll find rest. To yoke up here in this verse means to become a disciple of Christ. It's a picture of a young, inexperienced ox being yoked together with, something, with someone who's more, or, or more experienced ox. That could be a picture of us being yoked to Christ, or it can be a picture of us yoked to a more mature believer. It's the same thing. It's what you're seeing there. Now, now, when you look at that, now think about this, y'all. Pride is our biggest obstacle when it comes to this whole idea of meekness and finding rest. But when we overcome it, we can truly rest. How many of you remember the movie, The Help? Remember the movie, The Help? It's a very interesting movie. And it's on right now, I think. They're playing it about every day, it seems like. But, but listen, listen to this. There's one line in the movie that really jumped out at me. And here was the line. Don't you ever get tired of just being mean? You remember that line in the movie? Looking at this old wicked woman, there's defiance in her heart, and there's no meekness there. And she's basically looking at us, don't you ever just get tired of being mean? You ever, you, ever, you ever wanted to ask somebody that? <laughs> Don't you get tired of this? Being manipulative and mean and 
mean-spirited. Don't you just get tired of it? That's kind of like some of the same terminology we're reading here. Do you want to find true rest? Do you want to find peace? Do you want to find joy? It's found in the right attitude. And it begins with this whole idea of meekness in your life. Next, the meek, they will receive an inheritance. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit, or excuse me, they will inherit the earth. There's two aspects to this, this verse. There's a present aspect to meekness, and, and this is not on your outline, but nature teaches us that the meek inherited the earth. The mighty dinosaurs gave way to what? The lowly sheep and the lowly cow. We even see a demonstration of it in nature. How about this? History reveals that the meek inherited the, the earth. How about the murderous Hitler, Herod the Great, Alexander the Great, uh, Napoleon, all these mighty men of defiance, they all fell. <laughs> Every one of them fell. The meek will inherit the earth. Here's a future aspect to meekness. The last days, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking. He's talking about a judgment that has come in which there will be the separation of goats and sheep. Let me tell you, you know what goats are defined by? Many times, defiance. Always wanting to butt heads with somebody. And you know what a sheep is defined by? Many times, meekness. And we see there's a picture of it right there. In the end, the meek will inherit the earth. So here's the application. The Bible commands us to put on meekness as a garment. It's that whole idea of clothing ourselves with meekness. That means when people see us, that's what they see. They're, we're, we're literally defined by it. The Bible commands us to pursue meekness. Only the Holy Spirit can clothe us with meekness. Only the Holy Spirit can show us the path to meekness. So here's the question. Look at the application. Are you meek and gentle? Is that what you're defined by? Does your meekness and gentleness lead to submission to God, a teachable spirit, and consideration for others? So in conclusion, in conclusion the display of meekness in our lives has the potential to open the hardness of hearts of those around us. Did you know that? Listen to this. The display of meekness in our lives has the potential to open the hardness of hearts of those around us. Let, let me tell you what's going on right here. There's husbands and wives, I find this to be true in counseling, that are hard-hearted towards each other. Just hard-hearted. Now, I'll be honest with you. Many of them don't show up for counseling. They don't because they just, they've settled into the hardness of their life, the hard-heartedness. They don't see any hope in the situation. They pretty much give up. They're just coexisting. But then there's always that one that seems. These are the ones that show up for counseling. There's that one who basically says, I want this fixed. With everything in me, I want this fixed. And so here's what many of them do. Many of them, they'll be meek enough to say, we need help. We need some. And you know what I'll tell them many times? The one that comes looking for, I, I, it's, I don't necessarily say meek all the time, but I'll tell them this. I'll say, are you willing to make yourself vulnerable to make this relationship work? Because y'all, it's got to start with somebody. Somebody, and, and no matter what relationship you look at, friends, husband, wife, children with parents, parents with children, however you look at it, someone's got to start the process by being vulnerable. And that's a part of meekness, to be humble, to be vulnerable, 
to realize that you may be taken advantage of, but you're still going to put it out there because this is the way the Bible tells you to, to go about it. This is the way you need to go about it. This is how forgiveness is brought to the story. This is how restoration begins. It all begins with this attitude of meekness, humility, gentleness, and vulnerability. So here, here, here's where I am this morning. Maybe you're in a relationship with someone and both of you are at a standoff. And it's just hard hardness is there. <laughs> are you willing to be the vulnerable one? You've heard the story of our marriage, mine and Tina's marriage. First 10 to 12 years, very tough. Very tough. Not sure we, we even thought we'd make it. But you know what? I thank God that, and I wish it were me, that she was willing to make herself vulnerable because she wanted it to be right. And you know what? God shaped my heart in such a way that I responded to it. And guess what he did to me? He made me meek and gentle and vulnerable. Y'all, it's got to be. Who's going to start the process? I'm not just talking about marriages. I'm talking about every relationship in your life. Who's going to start it? Would you stand to your feet, please? Father, we just come to you right now. and Lord, I realize in this room, this many people, there's obviously some who are struggling right now. And Father, I just pray that you're just working their lives. Lord, I look around this room and I see success stories. I see those who, who did make themselves vulnerable. I see those who, who, in which the relationship was restored, if forgiveness was granted because one chose to stand up and do it God's way, to be vulnerable, to be gentle, to walk humbly. And Father, I just pray for the relationships that are represented in this room. Father, I pray for that husband. Maybe he needs to take that stand towards his wife or maybe that wife towards her husband. Maybe that child towards their parents, that parent towards their child. Father, I just pray that you'll work in their lives. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they've never been vulnerable before you. They, they've never been meek. They've lived their life and it's defined them as, as being defiant instead of reaching out to a God who loves them, who, who gave his son on their behalf because he was meek. Father, I just pray and thank you for a God that, that loves us so much that he would send his son to demonstrate the meekness that needs to be seen in all of us. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that needs to respond to that, I pray they will. Again, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Myself and Jonathan will be here at the front.